do want to thank our, our dear brother for his invitation to come along and just to share something uh, tonight of this great subject uh, of Israel. Uh, and it is a subject that is very dear to my heart, of course. And uh, I, I just want to read, uh, I think the last time we gave a little report on the work, uh, I read a little uh, portion from Romans chapter 11. And um, I think I took about 10 minutes on it. And I'd like to take a wee bit longer than that uh, tonight. Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, and, and perhaps we could, we'll not read the whole chapter, we'll, we'll read um, from verse number 25, please. Romans chapter 11, and verse number 25. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God has concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. O the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counsellor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him, are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless to us this reading of his own precious inspired truth. There are um, approximately 8 billion people in the world today. The Jewish population of this world is 0.2%. A very, very insignificant number. A tiny speck of dust on the world stage. And yet when we come to this book, this precious book, the Word of God, how often we read the name Israel and the words Jew or Jews. For instance, in the Old Testament, the name Israel appears 2,490 times. 
In the New Testament, the name Israel occurs 75 times. The words Jew or Jews appear 243 times. Israel and the Jewish people are interwoven into the very fabric of Scripture. Sadly, many have sought to unpick them from that, from that fabric, but they cannot be unpicked. Otherwise, the whole fabric of Scripture unravels, and that could never happen. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the God of the Bible, and he has made unconditional promises concerning the nation of Israel. Promises which are even now yet to be fulfilled. And we know, brothers and sisters, tonight that every promise of God is secured in the blessed person at God's right hand. The Apostle Paul tells us that in 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, that every promise of God is in Christ, yea, and in him, amen. The name Israel describes the nation descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob, whose name the Lord changed to Israel in Genesis 32 and verse 28. And from the 12 sons of Jacob, literally the children of Israel, we have the 12 tribes of Israel, later referred to in a general sense as the Jews. When we read the scriptures, it is evident that the Jewish people and Israel are synonymous. They are one and the same. They cannot be divided. When Paul prays here in Romans chapter 10, he prays, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He's not praying for a land. He's praying for a people. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20, the Lord Jesus is speaking about the faith of the Roman centurion. And he says, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. The Lord is not speaking about the faith of a land. He's speaking about the faith of a people, the Jewish people unto whom he came. God's word speaks about the Jews and the rest of humanity he calls the Gentiles, the nations. Only think tonight just how powerful some of those nations are or perceive themselves to be nations such as Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, even the United States of America. It's really only when we come to this book that we see God's perspective on the nations. In Isaiah 40 and verse 15, we read, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket, and are counted as the small dust of the balance. God's word speaks of Israel as a chosen nation. When Moses is speaking uh, to the Jewish people at the end of the wilderness journey, they've traversed the wilderness 40 years and they come to the very edge of Canaan. 
Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, Moses says to the people, The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. That little, bit, that little bit at the end there is vitally important. I'm not saying it's not all important, but that little bit at the end is vitally important. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers. The oath is the unconditional covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. A covenant where there was only one contracting party, the Lord himself. You remember on that occasion a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. The covenant was not dependent on Abraham, but upon the Lord alone. This covenant was confirmed or ratified with Isaac in Genesis chapter 26 and verse 3, and with Jacob in Genesis 28 and verse 13. In Psalm 147, we see the unique position and privilege of this nation whom God shows. It says there, He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. It has been said that without the Jew we would have no patriarchs. Without the Jew we would have no prophets. Without the Jew we would have no apostles. Without the Jew we would have no Bible. Without the Jew we would have no Saviour. The Lord brought all these through his chosen nation. No wonder Satan has sought many times to destroy them, and he will seek to do it again. We know that Israel rebelled many times against the Lord and provoked him to wrath, and he gave them over to other nations because of their transgression. But we also know what is said in Zechariah 2 and verse 8, that he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. The Jew has been hated, despised, and cast out of many lands. And certainly today, anti-Semitism or hatred towards Jewish people is rampant. It's mainstream, it's widespread, even in lands where they once felt safe or relatively safe. Lands such as the United States of America, anti-Semitic attacks have risen year on year recently. Yet, through persecutions, pogroms, and even Holocaust, the Jew is still here. 
the very fact that they exist at all, that there is a nation in the Middle East called Israel, is testament to the faithfulness of God to his own word and what he will yet do. Malachi 3 and verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. We can take part of that verse to ourselves. And it's wonderfully true. I am the Lord, I change not. But the rest of the verse does not apply to us. I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, as a result of who I am, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. How many times through the generations they have almost been consumed. David says, and he says it twice in Psalm 124 and verse 1, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now let Israel say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick. Isaiah the prophet says concerning his own wayward even sinful people Israel in Isaiah 1 and verse 9 except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah as believers tonight in the Lord Jesus Christ we can only view Israel and the Jewish people one way. And that is in the light of God's revealed truth. His precious word. We know what the world says about them. And very sadly we know what a lot in the church says about them. But what does the Lord say about them? And as the Lord would give us help and we need his help. We want to look at these verses in Romans chapter 11 and in other passages as well. Even, what, even in the verses we've read tonight, we see the past and the present and the future of the nation of Israel. A remarkable nation. An everlasting nation. The Lord says of Israel in Jeremiah 31 and verse 35, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me. There's an old song, there'll always be an England. Well, I don't know if that's the case, but I know one thing, there'll always be an Israel. I don't believe we can deal with Israel in the scriptures without dealing with them past, present, and future. 
because all three are documented in this book, the Lord gives us the whole story, not just part of it. We've read here in, in Romans chapter 11 and verse 25 that the Lord would not have us to be ignorant concerning them. That is without spiritual understanding when it comes to the position of Israel in the plan of God. Many Christians today are apathetic at best towards Israel. They couldn't care less one way or the, or the other. And other Christians believe that God is finished with Israel and that they have been replaced by the church. Romans 11 and 2, Paul says, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. The Lord isn't finished with Israel, beloved. Far from it. The word of God has much to say about this nation. When we come to Romans 11, it's very clear who is being addressed. Paul is speaking to Gentile believers. He says in verse 13, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. He's speaking to those out of the nations who are in Christ. He's not speaking to unbelievers. He's not speaking to the world. He's speaking to Christians. And as he's speaking to Christians, he's speaking about unbelieving Israel. And yet he still calls them Israel. <coughs> when you read this chapter, you can't help but notice in the words that the apostle uses, just what our attitude should be towards them. Paul uses certain words in terms of attitude. He says in verse 18, boast not. In verse 20, he says, be not high-minded. And the word is actually arrogant. In verse 25, he says, be not wise in your own conceits. In verse 31, he stresses mercy, that through your mercy, they also may obtain mercy. Don't be boastful. Don't be arrogant. Don't be conceited. Be merciful. You might say to yourself tonight, surely that's the way we should be with all people. And I believe it is. But Paul isn't speaking about all people. He's speaking specifically about God's chosen people, Israel. And we know tonight that the nation of Israel divides opinion, even amongst believers. We want to think a little bit about their past calling through Abraham. And maybe we'll do that in a subsequent uh, evening. But in verse 25, we see Israel's present condition. It says their blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. In 2 Corinthians 3 and 15, the apostle reminds us that even 
unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Of course, it was that day that he was living that Paul was speaking about, but even unto this day, in 2023, in the synagogue in Belfast, when Moses was read on Saturday, the veil was upon their heart. The Lord Jesus is the great subject of Scripture. And he has, is hidden from them with that veil. When the Lord first came unto his own, the blindness was evident even in a master of Israel. The Lord said to Nicodemus, Art thou a master in Israel and knowest not these things? But we see that this blindness is not total but partial. Blindness in part is happened to Israel. Now by the grace of God there is a remnant that believes. Paul himself was evidence of that fact. He says in verse 1, For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Israel's blindness is not total but partial. And that blindness is not permanent, but temporary. Blindness is, in part, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Today, God is taking out of every nation a people for his name and forming individuals into the body of Christ but there will come a time when the full number of those called out of the Gentiles is complete. When the body of Christ is complete and that body will be removed. These words are closely followed by the words that we read in verse 26 concerning Israel's future blessing. It's also here in Romans chapter 11 Paul says, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. I know many believers have great difficulty with this verse, how's a whole nation, say Northern Ireland, wouldn't it be wonderful if they were all saved? How's a whole nation going to be saved? Paul uses two verses here from two passages of scripture. He says, well, the first one is in Isaiah 50, 59 and verse 20. And the, and the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob. And he also quotes from Jeremiah 31. And let's turn to Jeremiah 31 for a moment, please. Jeremiah chapter 31.
I think it's important that we read the passage, not that I just refer to it. Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. says here, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord. And these days are, are still future as we speak. These days are still future. And it's good for our hearts to remember that a lot of scripture is yet to be fulfilled. That I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. This covenant, of course, was the covenant of the law made at Sinai between the Lord and Israel, two contracting parties a conditional covenant God covenanted to give them life and blessing and peace and prosperity in the land and Israel covenanted to obey the law Exodus chapter 24 and verse 3 and the people answered and said all the words which the Lord has said we will do but the Lord says, which my covenant they break. Of course they did. We all broke it. Verse 33 says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. What days are being spoken of here? After those days. In the previous chapter, Jeremiah chapter 30, or two chapters back, Jeremiah chapter 30, we read about a time that is coming. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. Verse 4, it says, and these are the words of the Lord speak concerning Israel and concerning Judah. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear, and not of peace. Ask ye now, and see whether a man does travail with child. Wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins, as a woman in travail, and all faces are turned into paleness. Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. It's a time that Israel has yet to pass through, a time of deep sorrow and deep pain for the nation. Two-thirds of the nation, Zechariah tells us, will perish. The one-third the Lord will bring through the tribulation period. The Lord Jesus spoke of this, of course, in Matthew 24, and 21, he spoke of those days as great tribulation. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever, nor ever shall be. 
and except those days be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be, so, shall be shortened. After those days, and only after those days, the deliverer shall come to Zion. Verse 33 says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me. Listen what it says. They shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And so, all Israel shall be saved. And dear friends, we have it in prophecy. Paul tells us it in Romans chapter 11. What do we do about it? Well, we believe it. We believe it. Paul asks the question in verse 11 of Romans chapter 11. Have they stumbled? He's speaking about Israel. Have they stumbled that they should fall? You know, the force really of these words used here, they mean have they stumbled irrevocably and fallen never to rise again. I know lots of Christians believe that, that Israel is finished. There is no doubt Israel has stumbled and fallen over Christ. He has been, as Peter tells us, that stone of stumbling that rock of offense to them. But Paul says in answer to that question, God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. I always find that's a remarkable, remarkable statement. Through their fall, Salvation is come to the Gentiles to provoke Israel to jealousy. But is Israel's fall permanent? When the aged Simeon held the child Jesus in his arms in Luke chapter 2, he said to Mary, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. Certainly we have seen the fall. For 2,000 years Israel is fallen. But Paul also says here in verse 15, For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? 
Brothers and sisters, we, we have a very vivid picture of this in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. And how do I know that these words in Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 14, speak about Israel? I know they speak about Israel because the Lord tells me they speak about Israel. Let's just turn to these words. And I know you know the verses, but we'll read them. Verse 1, Ezekiel 37, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied and I was commanded as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone and when I beheld lo the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off of our parts. I know, beloved, that we can take application from this passage. I know that. We can take application as to man and his condition. You can take application from any part of God's word. But the interpretation you cannot change. If God says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel, that's exactly what they are. Exactly what they are. And you notice that first of all, there was a rattling and a coming together. But still no breath in them. For the best part of 2,000 years, the name Israel was silent on the earth. 
since the Lord was crucified. But in 1948, something happened. A nation came again. They were almost wiped out after the Holocaust. But we had the miracle of Israel's birth as a nation. They were in the land, but they were in the land in unbelief. There was no breath in them. And that's where they still are. But dear friends, after we are gone, when they pass through that terrible time, the Lord will breathe life into the remnant of Israel again. Verse 12 says, Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. What riches we have been brought into through Israel's fall. The unsearchable riches of Christ. But the nation that had a fall will yet have a fullness. Those days will come. In verse 29, our time is gone, I know that. Uh, in verse 29, we read the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. I'll read that again, beloved. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That means without a change of mind on God's part. The Lord has not taken back what he has given. God remains faithful to his promises. And that is really the question when it comes to Israel in the scriptures. Can God be trusted to keep his promises? Listen to what Micah says in Micah 7 and 20. Thou wilt perform the truth unto Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. In Romans chapter 9, um, we'll just go back to it a moment or two. Romans chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. There is a remarkable list of Israel's blessings and privileges. And these two verses really summarize the gifts and the calling of God. And we want to, I don't know what we time tonight. I don't think we have. We want, want to just look at them very, very briefly. Let's just read from verse 1. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul. And we see what lies in his heart towards Israel in these words. He says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. 
Paul's heart was broken that Israel had rejected the Messiah. But then he says of his brethren, who are Israelites? To whom pertain the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises whose are the fathers and of whom concerning the flesh Christ came who is over all God blessed forever who are Israelites you know there is no question as to whom these blessings belong there is no question as to whom these blessings apply to it's not the world it's not the church these things pertain to Israel and in a day yet future I know they're not in the good of them now I know Israel is blind I know they're unbelieving I know that but they're preserved in a day yet future when the remnant come through those terrible times of tribulation they will fully know the truth of these privileges and blessings because they remain theirs to whom pertain the adoption that's literally the sonship through Moses the Lord said to Pharaoh in Egypt in Exodus 4 and 22 thus saith the Lord Israel is my son even my firstborn and I say unto thee let my son go that he may serve me and if they refuse to let him go behold I will slay thy son even thy firstborn the Lord says in Hosea 11 and verse 1 when Israel was a child then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt today Israel is a prodigal son whom the father waits to come home but the Lord Jesus said no man cometh unto the father but by me not until that day when they acknowledge him whom they have pierced not until that day that they mourn for him as one mourns for their only son not until that day will they truly come in to the good of sonship but that day will come Zechariah 12 and 10 says and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and they shall mourn for him. Isn't that interesting? They look on me, whom, that's the Father, whom they have pierced, and they'll mourn for him as one mourns for their only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one is in bitterness for their firstborn. That's repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory 
This is the Shekinah glory, which was a symbol of the Lord's presence in the midst of his people Israel. It went before them in the cloud of glory by day and the fire by night, and it separated them from the nations around them. That's what Moses said to the Lord in Exodus 33 and verse 15. If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence, for therein shall it be known, known here, that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. We know, we know at this present time that the glory has departed from Israel. And the word Ichabod, the glory has departed, is written large across their history. Ezekiel the prophet describes the slow, very reluctant departure of the glory from the temple. Where it stayed since the days of Solomon's dedication, the glory departed from the midst of the people of Israel and they went into Babylonian captivity. The temple was destroyed and the times of the Gentiles began. Not the fullness of the Gentiles, the times of the Gentiles. The times of Gentile domination over Israel and Jerusalem. Even when the Lord was upon the earth, the dominating power in Israel was Rome. Even today, an Islamic mosque occupies the place where the temple stood. In Matthew 23, at verse 37, we have the plaintive cry of the Lord, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered thy children together. As a hen <coughs> gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The glory is departed. The glory <coughs> departed because he departed from their midst. Every time I read that verse, I think of Yad Vashem, and I think of going into the, that exhibition, whatever it was, the children's <coughs> hall, and you hear the names of the children that perished in the Holocaust, and you walk through and it never stops. How oft would I have gathered thy children as a hen? But when the aged Simeon, we're giving Simeon a good go tonight, when the aged Simeon held the child Jesus in his arms in Luke chapter 2, he said that he would be a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Beloved, he has been that light for us. But when was he the glory of Israel? That's yet to happen, but it will happen. 
the last time Israel saw him was in an old Roman cross with this inscription above him, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. But Zechariah tells us that when the Lord comes in power and great glory at his second advent to the earth, it will be to this nation again that he will come. Zechariah 14 and 4, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, towards the east and towards the west, and there shall be a very great valley. He will come on behalf of the remnant of Israel, who will then be in deep distress under the oppressive heel of Antichrist, passing through the great tribulation, as the Lord called it, and as Jacob, uh, passing through Jacob's trouble, as Jeremiah called it. But when the Lord appears in glory to save Israel from total annihilation, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 8 tells us that he will consume that wicked one, the man of sin, the son of perdition, with the spirit of his mouth and the brightness of his coming. Isaiah 60 verses 1 and 3 speaks of that time. It says, I'm going to finish now, okay. It says, Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Today, the glory is departed from Israel. But when the Lord comes to reign, he will be the glory of his people in that day. May the Lord bless his word to all of our hearts. Today. I do apologize for going over the time.